everyone. Fantastic. Hello. Hello, how you doing? What's up? Pretty good. It's been a busy day today. Did you have a good uh, turkey uh, weekend? Yes. Yes, and um, I think I'm still like in a food coma. <laughs> <laughs> do Do you cook? Do you cook? Did you cook the turkey? Yes, cooks like everything. Excellent. What did you do? Do you do you deep fry? Do you brine it? Hello, Jose. What's up, man? Oh, good. How are you? Good. I, I don't imagine you cooked any turkeys in the past week or so, right? You didn't cook your turkey this time of year. <laughs> no, no turkey for me. No turkey for me. It, it's, it's a pretty tour. silly holiday, but turkey's good. <laughs> really silly. I, I wouldn't say that because I, it's not my my holiday, so I don't want to disrespect anyone. So, <laughs> um, Very true, very true. How are yeah, you? Very good. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm so good. excited for today's talk. It's one of my favorite topics. All right, which one? We've got a few going on. More about uh, Sam Bankman Freed? Bitcoin. Is that, is that one of your favorite topics? Bitcoin. Ah, yes, oh, that's true. Oh, Very cool. It, by the way, um, I can see a couple of you, and I already know you by your, your Twitter accounts who are going to be speakers today. I have uh, sent you invites. If you uh, have received a speaking invite, please accept that. And also, you have to be on a phone in order for this to work right. So, uh just be aware of that. If I haven't sent you an invite, like raise your hand if you are supposed to be speaking on our panel today. Uh, I figured we would we would take an opportunity uh, just to talk about anything else uh, besides more FTX. I, I swear I'm gonna I'm gonna go to sleep and dream about Sam Bankman Freed. And I, I wrote instead of writing BTC for Bitcoin, I wrote BTX, which goes to show I've been writing FTX too much. Yeah, that that was the reason. Okay, now I understand why. That that was why. I'm I'm sure of it. Absolutely. But um, raise your hand. Except okay, Emil. I'm going to go ahead and send you a speaking invite again. You need to be on a phone if you if you're going to join us. And let me go ahead and read off uh, who we should be uh, having on with us today because I think this is a lot of fun. And thank you so much, everyone for joining us. We very much appreciate it. We're going to have a little bit of argument if I can uh, dig up any um, Bitcoin maxis to talk. I mean, you know, they've really kind of had their day, haven't they? Like what they've been saying this whole time kind of looks a little bit more like it makes sense in light of uh, the incredible shit show uh, throughout the rest of the, uh, the DeFi space. What what, what do you, what do you think, Jose? Yeah, I totally agree. It's, uh, I I like DeFi. Uh, for me, it's clearly one of the pillars of the future of finance. But uh, I also love Bitcoin and love the, the simplicity and also the, the strength it has. Um, I had a lot of issues, of trust issues mainly with DeFi. Uh, I used it in the past. I take pancake swap. I use mainly the Binance Smart Chain. But I had like something in my guts that was not clear, you know, of the procedure of what's going on, where, where's the money coming from. So uh, I'm not saying all the staking projects are scams nor ponzi's, but I had like a feeling that I'm not quite understanding what's going on in the back end. 
And that's not so comfortable to have like my my exposure, my capital exposed to things that I don't quite understand. So maybe I'm lacking information, but um, I don't know, man. Bitcoin gives me like a, 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 a trust that any other projects can give me. I Maybe other guests can speak uh, against that, but I don't know. How do, how do you feel about DeFi in general? Um, you know, I, I don't think that personally that DeFi is bad. I, I think some of where we've taken DeFi has been uh, a negative for the industry. But uh, let, let me let me go ahead and uh, and introduce some people because I think we've got most of the people I want to hear. We uh, do we have Brad James mining with Brad on here? Because I don't see you. If, I'm if here. so, oh yeah, I'm you're there. There you go. All right, great. So we have Brad uh, from Mining with Brad uh, talks about Bitcoin mining. So hopefully you'll give us the uh, the Bitcoin purist point of view. We've got David Mahers, who's a CTO or Maher, CTO and EVP from Intertrust Technologies. Hello, David. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you today? Good. Welcome. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, we've got Jesper Toft, and I don't know if Jesper is speaking. Are you, are you on with us, Jesper? I am. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. E excellent. Thank you very much for uh, joining us uh, from GSU Protocol. Uh, and I know that GSU Coin has a uh, has a, a big announcement today, so we will we will get to that as well. And I guess the last one is Dion Ponsel. Are, are are you on with us as as well, Dion? No, maybe not. All right, but if you do join no, us, no raise your hand. Any anyone from the audience that wants to to get the speaker permission, DM me. Mm -hmm. Let me know your background, and I will give you the mic. This is Crypto Open Mic, powered by Vincinga. Are you ready to start, Justin? Yeah, absolutely. So let let's Go. start out with a future of crypto event. Um, I believe the fifty percent off code still works from from Cyber Monday. Please check it out, guys. It, it, you know, attending the show is uh, barely more expensive than the gas it's going to take to get you there. Uh, so, like, by all means, please take advantage of this opportunity to come see some, I don't know, like uh, an in-depth and also optimistic um, exploration of Web3. I think that's kind of what we've got going on there. Um, we have Kevin O'Leary speaking there as yeah, well. So, sorry, sorry, Justin. I, I, yeah. I really want to, to listen what Kevin has to say. I, I yeah, really I think the questions will be hot. They're uh -huh. not going to be easy questions. You, you know, I really I, want to listen what he has to say. I, I, I've been working on uh, partially as show content um, an article, you know, talking about Kevin O'Leary and some of the things he said about SBF, because I, honestly, I'm going to take the position that uh, I, I think that the uh, the crypto world at large has been a little hard on him. He said that SBF was a brilliant investor. Well, he probably is. I mean, you know, you, you, you have to be pretty smart to still to steal what, seven or eight billion dollars from people. Right. Allegedly. <laughs> so, you know, clearly the, the guy has some skills. He's, he's an MIT graduate. He fooled a lot of people. So, you know, like, uh, I think that uh, O'Leary coming out and saying, yeah, he's a great investor. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe some people are, are feeling a little somebody, bit burned right now. Somebody is typing on the keyboard, please. 
Yes. Yeah. If if you're typing, go ahead and, and mute yourself because because we can hear the the clicking and clacking. But all right, let let's go ahead and and jump in with guests. Um, let's go. First of all, I, I'm sure everyone has already heard this, and it's like every road I try to take away from FTX just brings me back down a road that goes back to FTX right now. So, unfortunately, <laughs> we're gonna we're, we're gonna say SBF and FTX a million times today. But, um, you know, I have, I'm have. i sure everyone has caught on to the fact that BlockFi seems to be going the same road as, uh, as uh, many other exchanges that have uh, taken a hit around this. Of course, FTX uh, has, uh, has, has imploded completely. And, well, it um, seems like, like a lot of exchanges and, and pavement solutions were that, that allowed um, staking we're using FTX services, so they all got, uh, how do you say it properly? Uh, they all got, you know, <laughs> had a lot of their money taken. Is that is that what we're talking about? Yeah, I was yeah. saying a word with F, but not appropriate. So, so is oh yeah, sure. Um, you know, financially defrauded. That would be that. That's what you're thinking of. Exactly. Thanks, sir. <laughs> so let let's go, let's do a roundy round and go through the uh, the speakers for today. Um, and I'll just throw out a, a nice uh, softball question. Um, you know, also Bitfront has uh, shut down today, and, and that that apparently is is just breaking. But like clearly this is having a ripple effect in other exchanges and the liquidity of other exchanges. Let me start at the end of the row with Emil and, uh, and say, uh, where is this going to end? Uh, how, how many are we expecting to, uh, to get taken out before the aftermath of uh, this, uh, you know, one group, small, relatively small group of people's, um, you know, alleged Pon- Ponzi scheme uh, stops having a, a negative ripple effect in the rest of the community. So, Emil, let's start with you. Are you with us? Okay, you don't seem to be muted, but I can't hear you. All right, let, let's go ahead with David. David, how are you today? I'm doing great. So, do we need to be looking over our shoulders? Are, are more uh, exchanges going to spontaneously combust because of this, uh, this, this minor $7 billion oversight uh, uh, with FTX? <laughs> Well, you know, having uh, open exchanges that accept uh, depository accounts that are non-segregated with no regulation at all, no effective regulation at all, is you're going to get some more of that. I'm not an expert in the business of uh, cryptocurrencies, and uh, but I've uh, worked in the uh, payments industry for years and. Uh, Trust is a, is, a, is a really big thing. And the irony of it all, and this is something that people need to understand, is, is that crypto bases itself on the idea that, oh, we're going to eliminate trusted third parties. And then you've got trusted third parties all over the place. FTX was functioning as a trusted third party. All the exchanges are trusted third parties. Right. So what's going on here? And uh, we have to realize that one of the fundamental aspects of cryptocurrency is that you use crypto keys as your accounts and uh, they need management. People don't know how to manage passwords, much less cryptographic keys. So there's going to be a need for uh, some sort of 
trusted third party to help people out here. They don't necessarily have to be exchanges or they don't have to be the type of exchanges that, uh, that uh, you, we've been hearing about recently that just invite fraud. But we are going to have to figure out how do we, how do we get trusted uh, services to work with this technology that wants to kind of eliminate at least some aspects. Oh, someone won in the casino. <laughs> Please proceed. That it was a weird noise. Oh, okay. Sorry, I don't. Know, I know where that noise is coming from. But uh, anyway, I, I, my point though is is that we're going to have to figure out how to get. Uh, and this is just this is a, a big issue, in you know obviously in NFTs and lots of other areas of of uh, uh, crypto tokenization that we uh, we need to figure out how uh, trusted third parties play a role along with the idea of uh, having a, a, a DAO-like organization for uh, exchanges. Uh -huh. Well, sure. We certainly do have something to, to, uh, to work out. Uh, apparently, uh, our litmus test of... Uh, you know, are, are you do, are you able to stare off distantly while saying something vague about effective altruism and consequentialism and wearing an ironic T-shirt and having kind of preposterous hair? You know, if you're able to do those things, we believe that you're a genius. At least that that seems to be what what happened. Uh, or I, I should say, as long as previous people have already said that you're a genius and invested money in you, you check out. Um, what, 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 what do you think mining with Brad? Where, where's the pain going to end? Are we, are we just going to watch more of these, uh, weaker exchanges, uh, drop off Brad? I think we're going to see a few more of them drop off. Uh, that being said, there's thousands of them out there, right? So we're not even going to hear about a number of them. Um, to that point though, if you look at, I look at every business in an, in an early stage industry very closely. Whenever you're picking an industry that's going to hold money for you, you still have to do due diligence. I don't know of a lot of people who just go to uh, the first bank and stick with that first bank unless that's the bank that their parents went to. And that's why they stuck with that bank. So people, people need to do their due diligence on when they're selecting the partners that are holding those third party keys, regardless of what it is. Now, from the Bitcoin standpoint, uh, I'll look at it this way. When you look at Bitcoin, the exchanges that are collapsing, guess what they don't have a lot of? Most of the time, Bitcoin. Uh -huh. So when you're looking at this and we're discussing the difference between Bitcoin and every other crypto that's out there, Bitcoin is this is a good thing for Bitcoin in general because it's showing, hey, this is the stabilizing factor to this new industry. And guess what? Every new industry that is built goes through fraud, goes through issues like this. Even back to when the New York Stock Exchange was created and everything else. We have these things. But yet history repeats itself because people get greedy and people think they can get away with it. And this is where the good old saying, what is done in the dark always comes to the light, right? So right. Yes. But, but also, let, let me dive in one, one comment. If we if exchange has the, the, the reserves of its users, it doesn't matter which token its users hold. I agree. If they try to withdraw it, they have the, the tokens to give them, give them back. So I totally agree that Bitcoin is much more safety in those terms. But even if they hold any token, an exchange should be available to, to give back uh, all, the, all the tokens, right? 
Except, the... except you're basing it all on the fact of, of traditional markets, right? So you're basing it on the fact that traditional markets, which have a diversity of different types of assets in them, more often than not, that you can stabilize an exchange like that. But all these are just crypto exchanges. This industry is still very young in the scheme of business and industry. So you cannot count necessarily on the valuation of all of those tokens staying the same because they're all, think of it like stock exchanges, right? Stocks are not necessarily traded at the value of the business. They're traded based on the psychology of the purchase power of me having that stock, right? The difference is, is that when we look at stock exchanges and we say, hey, this stock is valued at this, there's a perceived value behind it because there's a stable business behind it that supposedly has real assets. Now, that's not always the case. And I think we're going to see things like that happen. For example, like we're seeing with Snapchat or other things that will come along the way at some point. And uh -huh. unless they're backed up by some sort of real asset class, you're going to see these things falter. It's uh -huh. all, of the, all of these alternative currencies, all of these alternative cryptocurrencies. This is where, where Kevin O'Leary is right. They're just tech stocks that have very right. little real assets behind them. Uh -huh. So you're making a bet on an early stage business that you're hoping will have the outcome that you desire five to 10 years from now. Right. But when we look at the stats, one out of 10, every 10 small businesses makes it when you look at the stats. So realistically, uh -huh. especially in this high tech industry, we're not even going to get that metric because we're dealing with software and we're dealing with derivatives and we're dealing with different software applications that are tokenizing it which was their form of fundraising in order to get the development off the ground. Let me take it over to Jesper. I want to bring the same question over to him. Uh, Jesper from GSU Coin, uh, how are you today? I'm, I'm fine, thank you. It's very interesting to, to participate here because, you know, we are in, in Europe and uh, we just uh, had a very uh, tough regulatory uh, paradigm presented called Mika Market in Crypto Assets. And uh, I, I think the problem we are seeing uh, with FTX and Bahamas and, and for that matter, you know, Voyager Digital before and, and others um, uh, is, is, uh, is a lack of regulation in these jurisdictions. Um, mm -hmm. You know, any European um, uh, exchange would, would have segregated accounts and keeping, you know, uh, the, the tokens they hold on behalf of their customers separate from from the, their own so mm -hmm. so it's uh, uh, as as the other gentleman said just before it's for sure uh, we will see some more uh, but i don't see it as a bad thing when they fall because a, a bit of cleaning up you know never hurt anybody it will simply make the market uh, better well, to, not, to grow not, not the investors <laughs> that's as you said before you know <laughs> that's what happens in a new market and but, right. but, but from, a, you know, from, from a, uh, one of the 10 or one of the 20 you spoke about that intend to, to stay, you know, uh, it reduces competition. It reduces, uh, you know, all the burnness that we've seen over the last couple of years. So it's, uh, if I look back at what happened in, in the dot-com days, uh, this is very similar to, to it. You know, we had a lot of, you know, projects being financed, you know, with crazy amounts of money and, you know, nothing came out of it. And, and eventually mm -hmm. in 2001 and 2002, those uh, that could emerge while there was a crisis were the ones that, you know, as the big uh, entities today. 
It's it's interesting. You know, uh, it seems like uh, the rise of Web3, blockchain, crypto in general is marked not only by advances in technology that that is blockchain, of course, uh, you know, creating a, a, a immutable ledger, but also um, advancements in essentially fundraising. Um, it, it, when I, I maybe partially I have this experience from uh, a few years before I got involved in crypto, we did a Kickstarter to, to try and fund my uh, my uh, indie MMO that that I'm still working on. Frankly, it's six or seven years later, and uh, you know, trying like at the time fundraising through Kickstarter for a new game was getting old. We actually canceled our Kickstarter. We couldn't raise the two hundred fifty thousand, whatever it was that we're trying to raise. I see GameFi games that are raising millions of dollars based on nothing and with like nothing but some concept art developed. It's like uh, there's this wild enthusiasm and and new way for people to participate. But, you know, um, uh, GSU is, uh, you know, kind of fitting it in a a funny area in the ecosystem because you've got a stable coin that's meant to be in inflation uh, proof and and is that is it fair to say that it is an algorithmically backed stablecoin? Uh, no, uh, it's uh, let me just give you a short background. You know, we spent many years working with central banks and developing you know monetary stabilizing solutions. So so actually, we come from a, a, another uh, arena, but you know, due to politics, uh, we basically reinvented ourselves, and you know became tech entrepreneurs, which we, uh, which the whole team was many years back as well during the dot-com days. So uh, we basically have a very, very advanced system that measures all capital flows between uh, the 80% of the largest uh, trading nations in the world and their, all of their trading partners. And then we measure the volatility in the rates in real time, and if you imagine the GPS system you have on your phone that can tell you exactly where you are on the uh, on, on the face of the earth at any time, you can imagine that we are able to detect what you can call the uh, center of exchange rate gravity. That is like the uh, if you imagine like a, a round uh, a globe, uh, we are able to you know identify where is the center and then we are able to turn it into an exchange rate and then with the GSU coin what we're doing is we are basically making a coin uh, what we have done with the protocol is a fork of maker so it's a all collateralized um, protocol and uh, but instead of producing a die dollar we basically produce a GSU coin which refers to the rate that is the GSU rate Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, let let's get into the heart of it. You know, I've been I, I've been starting with our uh, respectable portion where I quote articles, which are all available. They're all I'm taking things from headlines on Benzinga.com. So go to Benzinga.com's crypto section to hear more about the various things that we've been talking about. Uh, it's it's great to have uh, someone you know working in the European market talking about. Um, regulation because i tend to agree with you to be completely honest jesper and it's still i i get the feeling not entirely a popular point of view that uh that regulation <laughs> is actually kind of our friend i i uh i tweeted i retweeted gary gensler's uh gensler's uh from the head of the sec 
um, his his Thanksgiving um, holiday uh, w- wishes, uh, and and nobody thought it was funny. Nobody liked it. No, no, no. I don't know. I, I I must say, you know, it's it it truly depends on the perspective that the regulation is made with. But you know, on these quite simple things where you have somebody receiving a third party's uh, money for him to invest on. In, in, in the crypto space, it seems quite obvious that you shouldn't take that money yourself and go and spend on whatever you have been spending it on or investing it on. It's, oh, you, uh, see, you needed to talk to Sam Bankman-Fried about three months ago. <laughs> Maybe he was just mistaken on that point and what he was supposed to do with the $7 billion. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, don't, I don't think, you know, in, in general, you know, uh, I think uh, that that less regulation is better. But in these cases where it is so obvious that the industry will not actually emerge, it will uh-huh. not emerge, it will not, you know, come forward if you can't prohibit uh, and, you know, uh, make sure these things doesn't happen again because people simply won't dare to go there. Well, I'd like to, you know, uh, what's been interesting about the uh, turn of events over the past while since FTX uh, and Alameda is um, it has given uh, Bitcoin maxis uh, something to talk about. You know, they, they've been able to, and they've come on this very show, uh, to, to, to say that their uh, early prognostications were correct. Look, look at the mess. And here, I'll, I'll pick on uh, DeFi first. Look at the mess that DeFi is. Look what happens every single time, Wh- whether you're talking about FTX or whether you're talking about SushiSwap. Anytime FTX is not DeFi, Justin. FTX is the centralized oh, right. exchange. Okay, no. Well, sorry. Well, let's take a look at SushiSwap then. You're right. Yeah. It's a centralized exchange. I was going I was going off too much. Anytime that you're promised these returns that are 18%, 20%, um, you know, what what do we expect to happen? If if I were to create a IRL um hedge fund that offers uh you know 18% returns month after month year after year david what am i de facto what I, I had, what what, what what does that say about me and my business model if i if i'm offering 20% returns on a hedge fund can can i answer that uh, I had, yeah go ahead yeah, yeah, go yeah, ahead yeah, yeah. Uh, as a friend once said to me when we were looking at if 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 that was true i would keep it to myself Right. <laughs> so Why would you share have, that information? It's true. Definitely not. I will just, you know, you know, go in myself all in. So it's I, I really think it's a matter of common sense here. Um, uh-huh. that that and I really think uh, as as the other gentleman said before, you know, people simply need to do a bit of due diligence. Um, it's uh, that's 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 a basic before they uh, they go in, but I do. I do very well understand the many that sees all the media attention that has been about FTX and SBFB before. Uh, you know, of course, you think somebody must have made the due diligence. Uh-huh. Some, uh, so, so you're like just following uh, all the other guys doing it. So, yeah. But uh, well, you, well, you know. Go ahead, David. There were two audit, uh, two auditing companies that were relatively small, but it sounds to me like there was some sort of fraudulent dealing there where you had uh, 
one auditor was auditing one side of the business that didn't really want the other side of the business that was audited by the second auditor to, to know what was going on with, with their side. So, I mean, this was just plain fraud in, 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 in so many different dimensions. Uh, but one of the, the, the really big issues we have here is, is that the crypto industry has to expand by getting more investors at this point. That's what everybody is trying to do. And in order to get more investors, you're going to have to get after just people who just want to save for their retirement. And uh, you can't go to, you have to go out into the sort of unsafe spaces if you want to invest in crypto still. I can't go to Wells Fargo. And, you you uh, can go to Fidelity it. now. Well, that, that's a good point, and I, but I'm not even that sure that true. everybody knows uh, about that. And they, I'm not sure how much. I mean, I have a Fidelity account, and I, you know, I, I, they didn't send no, me. They actually said it. it was like a selected group that was, you know, having the opportunity initially, and then they will open up for the rest of the clients. But, but right. you know, we, mm-hmm. as you, we follow the market very closely. And I would say, all right, maybe not the last couple of weeks. We didn't have any announcement. But if you look since summer till uh, last month, uh, we had like weekly announcement from very big financial players around the world uh, joining the market. So I'm really Bitcoin optimistic, really. Yeah, well, I, I, I do. I think that this whole issue of, of you know regulation is hitting tech all over the place. Uh, I mean, my other uh, area of uh, of research is, is in IoT data, and you know, I keep on people keep on saying data is the new gold. Uh, maybe crypto is the new gold. Who who knows what it is? But there's so little guidance as to what you can do with data, and there is, in some sense, overregulation, but also underregulation. You just don't know what to do with it, and so there's no network effect with data. So until you get the network effect there, it's not very clear data is going to be all that valuable. You um, know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to pick on you a little bit, uh, David, since you come from uh, the traditional finance side for the most part uh, in, terms, in terms of your research. Uh, you know, Richard Durbin, Tina Smith, Elizabeth Warren um, all sent a letter to Fidelity CEO Abigail Johnson asking her to please reconsider offering Bitcoin to their 32 million retirement customers, um, which is exactly how they phrased it. If you go look on, on Benzinga, I have a link from yeah. my article directly to the letter so you could read it for yourself. But, you know, they're, they're trying to say with all of this uh, craziness going on in crypto, all of this instability, please don't expose your 32 million retirement customers potentially to that kind of risk. Um, you know, what, what do you think uh, uh, of that point of view from our own government here who's trying <laughs> – I know Brad has something to – Brad has a few <laughs> things to say about Bitcoin. But, you know, here, I, I, I didn't get any a big enough reaction by picking on DeFi, so I'll pick on Bitcoin a little bit more. <laughs> we, 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 know, we know it has a limited supply. We don't – you know, honestly, it's, its creators are not doxxed. So, like, uh, what, what if Bitcoin is just an older and far more successful pyramid scheme? Has it really been proven that it's not a pyramid scheme? It's already staked in faith. I'm not even really sure what that would mean. 
And beyond that, it can't be moved over. And I, Brad's going to probably explode by the time I, I, I point to him. Um, Pretty close. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's also got some inherent, you know, people who are, are worried about uh, carbon emissions are, are, are slamming it pretty hard because it, it can't make the move over to a proof of stake from, from proof of work. I know that Brad's very, I think it's Brad who's very fond of proof of stake and said so on, on one, one of my previous shows. Um, you know what are we doing? Are are we are we like? It's great that they're the oldest and longest standing, but first off, we've already seen this year that they are not um, the uh, the safe harbor that we were hoping that they would be. They've been tracking right along uh, with te- uh, with the S and P five hundred in terms of their decline, um, and also we can't get them to uh, we can't get Bitcoin to be green enough. We can't make that kind of alteration. So it isn't Bitcoin by traditional finance terms is still considered a high risk investment. Is it not, David? Well, it's clearly a, a high risk investment. And I'm not really a, a, an expert in that area of, uh, of payments in crypto and, and things of that sort. But uh, philosophically, and I think most people will agree with this, if you have a trusted institution like Fidelity, who uh, is going to be very straight with its uh, uh, clients, its users, and make a pretty much publish what uh, uh, in a prospectus what that investment is about uh, and how risky it is, what's its beta or whatever you, I don't know how you measure that actually, but you you can still offer that as an opportunity to people if you're you're, you're, you're uh, if you render you know reasonable opinions about it. But the question is what are those opinions actually going to be when people you know look uh, look this stuff up? But uh, I, I think that I, I think that the biggest problem that we have now is that you've got crypto being sold through exchanges that don't have any regulation whatsoever. Uh, and you know, uh-huh. those the Elizabeth Warrens ought to be, you know, jumping up and down about that rather than saying, well, this little experiment that you have a fidelity. I mean, it, it sounds like it, it is an experiment and that that's uh-huh. a reasonable way of doing things, frankly. You know, right. how much, do, do people go out there and, you know, the, you know, they they can at least monitor and say, okay, somebody's putting aside one or two percent of their holdings. Uh-huh. Yeah, but that's, it's, that's it's reasonable. It's, it's quite let, interesting. Let, if, if, let, if you... let, let me take it over to Brad because I haven't I haven't allowed him. I don't I don't mean to interrupt. I'm sorry, but I, no, no. I, I I've made Brad sit through enough of this. Um, Brad, I, I know that you're you're dying to agree with me about my uh, my my defamatory characterization of Bitcoin. So why don't you go ahead and jump on in? And let us know let us know your thoughts. Well, first things first, I'll say this. I'm probably one of the most polite Bitcoin maxis out there, just so you guys are aware. So I'll always raise my hand and try not to interrupt, uh, <laughs> just so you guys know. Um, to answer your question, Justin, I mean, which which one of those points you want me to tear apart? There's, there's Go for it, man. Whole I, thing. I, I mean, at the end it's, of the day... Is Bitcoin out, more you know, reliable than, than other altcoins? Is it really? I mean, and is that a high enough bar to be more reliable than Doge? Okay, so here, here's the question I have. How many currencies have we gone through in the United States since the inception of the government, right? Currency is a constantly changing thing when we look at the history of money and the history of money in the world. Right now, the challenge we're facing in terms of money and monetary policy and all of these things is that money is moving at a rate that none of us can keep up with. 
used to have used to have the exchanges closed down. Guess what? Now trading happens 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. Right. So part of right. the advantage of using a proof of work, not proof of stake, a proof of work like Bitcoin to back this new phase of technology and this new phase of monetary dynamics that's happening around the world, it solves most of those problems. And you're seeing the layers that are built on this proof of work system come out to fix the challenges and the arguments that everybody has. For example, the one thing that, that always gets me, Justin, because I'm an Eagle Scout and right. I run a beekeeping company and a whole bunch of things, I get the energy thing. But what people don't mm -hmm. understand is that when you're looking at innovation and how energy works, look at the amount of money that's being sunk into energy creation and not just energy creation, but renewable energy, alternative energy technologies, all of those things because of Bitcoin mining. We're seeing that happen right. because of Bitcoin mining. We don't see that because we've gotten super efficient appliances and everything else. The infrastructure around the world has not been upgraded and there's a lag. We're seeing major power plants get shut down and now there's scarcity and power. When we're relying on the fact that Bitcoin mining, for example, in this proof of work concept really isn't drawing as much energy as people make it out to be. Look comparatively at everything else that happens in the world. And uh -huh. you realize that the fraction of energy that's being used by Bitcoin mining is nowhere near the amount that some of these other industries are using. Uh -huh. okay? Like that's uh, step one. And the investment, because of it, they're counteracting it early. Uh -huh. Like that's, that's, that's a, one of the most bogus arguments I hear coming from this background. I studied microbiology and biochemistry. Here in uh -huh. Wisconsin, energy is a huge thing, right? Right. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think the energy really, you know, it is, it's, it's a temporary problem. There are energy not enough in the world, so you know, it, they can consume. Uh, imagine if we some years back said, "Hey, you cannot have this and this much memory in your computer," and you know, mm -hmm. uh, today we have a thousand times that. So yes, you know, exactly. energy will be an abundance. Um, yes. So. So uh, I, I, I agree with you. And, you know, I was just looking while, while you were talking on the argument of these prominent people. Um, Justin said had, uh, you know, written fidelity to stop selling. They forgot to look at the NASDAQ 100. Because if you look at the NASDAQ 100 exactly uh, 24 months back, and you look at the, uh, the crypto market value, the crypto market value is up 60%. Mm -hmm. And the Nasdaq 100 is down six and a half percent. Yes, that's the so, other part of this. So, this whole argument so, so, so against it, traditional it, it is, finances is, the, is garbage. The, the crypto vendor is is not a crypto vendor. It's just you know a vendor that is for everybody. Also in stock market. That's true. Th this one seems to be tracking right along with the stock market. And we are looking at a time of, uh, of global economic hardship. So, um, you know, to, to focus in on the green thing just for a second, though, um, you know, what I see most often, especially from projects that kind of want to head off any objections of the past, uh, particularly um, NFT projects, often they talk about carbon offsets. And and uh, since I, I've worked for companies doing carbon offsets, I worked for a company that worked for Enron a while back, mm -hmm. you know, a while back, years, company. I guess. Yeah, right. about, right? Well, at this point, I wish I had a mug or something. That'd be great. I'd love to drink out of an Enron mug. Mm -hmm. Uh, but no, I, uh, no, I, I'm, I'm saying we used to work with carbon offsets and, and I, uh, am kind of unimpressed with how carbon offsets have worked out to begin with. I mean, is, isn't that just a form of, like, like, what are we looking for? How are we going to address the energy issue, Brad? It's not just going to go away. 
I understand what you say, what you're saying about like, you know, what if we compare the consumption of Bitcoin mining versus the consumption of, say, Fortnite, for example? Are we sure that Fortnite doesn't use more energy than Bitcoin? I bet it probably does, <laughs> frankly, um, you know, but uh, nobody's doing those studies. So like offsets tend to be kind of a form of greenwashing. I'm sure that I'm sure that um, Elon Musk has a bunch to sell right now. He's kind of having a liquidity problem of his own. And, and since he's made a lot of his money selling them through Tesla, um, you know, are, can, can't we do better than that? And or, or are we really going to uh, be able to balance out a, a zero carbon form of mining? Or is, I mean, we, we could wish for people to stop paying and, attention to the know, issue, I, but they're I probably think, not I think going we're to. Getting there. I think we're getting there. I don't know. See, this is the part where people are looking at mining and they're looking at it solely as the only thing that's happening in that facility, right? We're beginning right. to see innovation around, hey, how do we leverage the heat to build uh, growing centers year-round in, in climates that don't work? I mean, this is happening in Europe. I know that. I know there's two companies that I'm supposed to hop on a call later, GeoBit Mining and another company called GeoGrow, who are building modules, where now they're deploying these facilities in different areas of the U.S. and Canada, where now you can place uh, in cold-weather climates the ability to grow food year round using hydroponics and the heat from the miners. And it becomes a very efficient way that also helps to produce food and training and everything else that goes along with it. Now eliminating the fact that you have to drive massive distances to transport food. If you're building local resources and food systems, right? So what I'm, what I'm trying to get at with some of the energy arguments is that if you look at single variables and no industry is a single variable industry, right? None of them are. Right. Even if they say they are, it's all lies, right? You hear, think about all the diesel needed to mine all the resources to build all of Elon's batteries for his cars, right? Like, great. So those are the things that people don't think about when they talk about green or energy or any of these things. They're thinking I, about what is the, yeah. the rhetoric and the propaganda that goes along with it rather than actually doing diving in and trying to learn actually how all these pieces fit together. And that's where... This is, this is where it comes back to that regulatory thing that we were talking about, okay? Regulatory is built around the fact that human nature, in human nature, people are lazy, right? They follow people and they listen to what they're saying, and they do that because they don't take the time to educate themselves. How many people actually are educated on how bank systems work or how to balance their checkbook or any of those things throughout their life? Very few. So we put regulatory in place in order to protect those people rather than maybe focusing at the root of the problem, and regulatory becomes a very slippery slope. That's why you well, get all of the Bitcoin maxis coming at it from this approach, because it becomes that slippery slope of, now you have a giant bureaucratic system in, implying and, and adapting rules and law to an industry that they don't really understand, but they're told because they've got one or two people in their offices going, hey, we need to do this, we need to do this, because our biggest donor is saying, hey, we have to do this, right? Uh -huh. That's why regulatory is a slippery slope. Uh huh. Yeah, it's, I, it's, it's, go ahead, sir. Yeah, uh, can, can I uh, add a comment on, on the energy thing? Uh, yeah. There was recently uh, in, in European media a discussion, you know, about the consumption of energy for, for Bitcoin. And, and just a few weeks back, I went for a conference in, in Sweden and I, I met this uh, gentleman who had a, a Bitcoin uh, mining facility in, in the very northern part of Sweden where they have a lot of hydropower, they have a lot of rivers producing a lot of energy, and they can't transport that energy because you lose most of the uh, efficiency of the energy 
in the cables when you need to transport it 2,000 miles. So you have either to consume it or leave it. So the, the, the energy that is actually consumed in his facility is not available to be used anywhere else, really. So, so I think what you will see is simply that the mining will go to, you know, solar farms in Sahara or, you know, uh, hydro farms uh, in, in, uh, in, in Sweden or, or, or similar things because that energy is not available to the, uh, you know, bigger cities because it's too far away. So it's mm -hmm. not like we lose that energy. It's just that we use it instead mm -hmm. of losing it. Uh, and, and because we can transport data this fast, you know, we can transport data a million times more efficient than we transport electricity. And that's the mm -hmm. reason why, you know, I, I don't see a problem in, in the energy, energy consumption of, of Bitcoin at all. And 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 on the on the matter of the regulatory thing, I also agree uh, and say it is a slope. Um, it, the, the, but on the other hand, we need to accept that uh, if we want it to work, if we really want a mass adoption, not 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 a, a few hundred million, but if we want a few billion to use it, then it's a good thing. Otherwise. You know, too many SBFs will, you know, uh, make a lot of issues to a lot of people. But that sure. happens in every industry, right? That's also yeah. the point. And that's why that's why regulatory is not the only thing when you're talking about this that needs to be deployed if that's the case. And in fact, I would say is probably the least effective thing. It's the hammer that you can bring down. But at the end of the day, it comes back to education on the front end, mm -hmm. of it, right? Right. It's not about the regulatory that's going to allow people to come into it. It's going to be right. about the education, about helping people to understand what exactly is this new asset and how does this apply to my daily life and how will it improve it? Yeah, but that's all part of what regulation, that's, that's part of the most effective regulations are before you can invest in this, uh, at least understand what it is that you're, you're doing and, and, and provide products that are understandable. Yeah, but yeah. even yeah, but but even at that, being coming from okay, I used to be a financial, I used to work in finance, traditional finance back in the day, and then my soul died because I couldn't teach this stuff. Okay, <laughs> all right. Um, when you look at that, how many people actually understand how their annuity works, how their mutual fund works, what their life insurance policy does? They don't understand that. But they do understand the differences between investing in one kind of asset and investing in other kinds of assets. That's a bold People, statement. It, but uh, well, okay. But I don't Some, think I don't think yeah. that's the problem here. The problem is people place their very hard-earned money uh, with with a centralized entity. Yes. Uh, and and they believe that this is somehow as safe as a bank, and it is not. Correct. And it's this, and and that's the issue that people have the belief. And you know, I think we read many, many tweets from a lot of people who lost, you know, a lot of money. And it's 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 really bad for these individuals who spent, you know, or invested whatever amount it was they lost because it really means something in their their economy. And uh -huh. uh, it, it's really the matter, you know. Uh, you, you just have to be, you know, very open about what you're going to do with the money. Give me yeah. your money and I go and spend it on, you know, 
uh, funny stuff and things I like, uh, maybe you wouldn't give it to me. But if you say, give me your money and I protect them and you can invest them in the assets. Um, these are two completely different things. It, yes, it's I'm, undeniable. I'm reminded, I'm reminded of an old friend named Bernie. Not yeah, long. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, sure. I mean, and, and that you're, you're talking about Bernie Madoff? You're talking yeah, about Bernie Madoff? That's exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about, which is why I'm saying right. even in the midst of regulatory, you're always going to have these issues. That's my uh -huh. point, is that like regulatory doesn't solve the problem. You're always going to have bad actors. Always. Here here in the in the US particularly with our particular brand of, of hyper capitalism, we really love our billionaires. We don't like to hear bad things about billionaires. We want to believe in them. Um, and sure there's some there's some greed associated in that in there, but like also, I mean, undeniably, when you look at crashes, I mean Terra Luna uh, Terra Network is uh the most uh you know most vivid in my mind for right now because we went through like six months of coverage about that when, when they got down to the point of uh dealing with retail investors telling their own stories about how essentially they had to go back to their wife to let them know that they uh you know had spent their life savings essentially or or uh, remortgaged the house to get in deeper with tara and then lost everything there are definitely some heartbreaking stories that are um Absolutely. There's nothing funny about that at all. Like, uh, I, I, but, you know, like the question, just, just trying to come up with something that will get everybody irate with me. Um, how do we like I'll, I'll go ahead and, and position this with like Doge is like uh, the, the dark twin of 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 uh, of Bitcoin. Um, you know, one is is a meme coin staked essentially on an idea staked on nothing the other one is uh, a, a distributed coin um you know the granddaddy of them all and the most famous of course um and so they've had uh they've had a great time in terms of maintaining their value um you know by crypto standards not by traditional banking standards you know given that the time frame is so small how do we really know that Bitcoin is a better investment and in a safer place. We know by past performance over the past what, 12 or 14 years, something to that effect, but that's all the precedent that we have for it. Um, how do we know that it's safer? And I, I will go ahead and, um, you know, versus Doge versus altcoins, generally speaking. So Doge being merged mining with Litecoin, is that part of this too? Um, if you if you want to take it there, but really conceptually, I'm going for like anything that you know all these other, you know the impolite term for them, all these other altcoins. <laughs> you know, it is very doubtful that we need the ten thousand new currencies that I think it is about ten thousand that have come uh, into circulation because of blockchain technology. Totally what agree. What totally makes well, Maxi yeah. obviously would, but what makes what makes Bitcoin different and better? I'm here to hear it. Well, I mean, at it, the root of it, again, you're, you're, we're talking about Bitcoin, which when you're talking about the actual design of leveraging blockchain and the verifications and everything around it with proof of work, turning energy into the currency. One thing it has, and this is something that I think a lot of people in this industry don't understand yet. This is an industry of resiliency, right? The longer you stick around. The, the longer you're willing to delay your gratification, the bigger the returns, okay? Unfortunately, most people in this world want instant gratification because now we live in the Amazon world and whatever else is out there. Right. You get your package in the next day. 
So that's how they feel their investments should work as well. But when you're talking about all of these other 10,000 altcoins, again, it goes back to the fact that they're all just tech companies trying to figure out a derivative or a tool to apply to this concept of cryptocurrency to fix a functionality problem, right? It's all just a functionality problem. Think about right. how many different derivatives or everything else that exists layered on top of traditional finance. That's all those things are. And how many of those in traditional finance actually make it? Not that many. And in fact, a lot of them don't make it. But we don't right. hear about it because it's traditional finance. The reason we hear about all this stuff in crypto is because guess what? It's new, it's sexy, and that's what people want to talk about. And they want to bash it because I'll leave it there. I'll just leave it there. The big guys don't uh, like yeah. it. They don't like Bitcoin. <laughs> I know they don't like it. Yeah, but, but it, it, I, I think, you know, Bitcoin is, is uh, special. It was first in the market, it has a limited supply, but most of all, it has been adopted by 100 million people. Yeah. So it, 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 is, it is accepted. It actually wasn't the first cryptocurrency either. That's the thing people it, forget. It wasn't. There were some in the 90s and the early thousands that popped up that, that people totally forget about. But right. but 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 when we talk about Bitcoin, it is special. It's limited amount. It it's you know it is widely distributed and people accept it. So that's why it is special. You can't. I don't see a number two Bitcoin. Then we have Ethereum, and they are also special because they actually created the biggest ecosystem and a platform upon which you can build you know whatever thing you want to build in the future. And so, so for that reason, they have their own problems to struggle with. But, but for that reason, they also have a justification. And I think whatever, whatever coin you look at in the future, you can, you can talk about the stable coins. They have, a fun, they have a functionality that people can actually use that can create mass adoption. So I think you have to look at it, you know, more diversely. Uh, Uniswap uh, performs a service which... Uh, people actually use so because they actually use it it's it's relevant um so you you can't talk about why is it better it's like saying it makes it better because it has this special you know function and position in the market and 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 each of these coins i just mentioned have a, a uniqueness in a market position that makes them very relevant and i think we will see an abundance of new things coming in that will become as relevant in, uh -huh. in the years to come. And I think we are actually at a very, very good time. We had the hype, uh, you know, we had the early ones joining, we had the hype, then we, you know, we had a, a cold winter, and I think spring will soon come again. Uh -huh. You have something to add, David? Well, I, I think that uh, everybody has been talking in terms of investment uh, as the main function of uh, you know, cryptocurrencies in general, and especially Bitcoin and, and, and what its value is. And uh, people mention, well, we've got 100 million users. We've got 100 million investors, at least. I don't know how many are what we would call in the, in, in the uh, service industry active users uh, that are using it to trade for goods and, and services and other products. Uh, and the question is whether or not that we're going to move on to uh, other uses of this kind of thing, If you know whether it's going to be tokenization of energy, which is an interesting topic uh, and, uh, and, and, and could be a, a tremendous application 
for uh, the uh, blockchain technology and, and even, you know, exchanges uh, for, between Bitcoin and various kinds of other kinds of uh, tokens would be interesting. And there aren't any good cross-chain uh, uh, kinds of uh, uh, cross-asset kinds of uh, technologies that I've seen out there. But in any case, I'd like to see some of that, and uh, and I'm hopeful that, that we will. It's notable, by the way, that when Fidelity first created announced that it was going to incorporate crypto uh, and make that available to its users, it actually said Bitcoin and Ethereum, um, although it looks like this initial rollout is just Bitcoin. Um, you know, Ethereum, I, I know that uh, GSU coin is, is working off of the EVM. Ethereum has had some significant difficulties that it's really had to grow around in order to be able to offer the throughput or speed to be able to handle uh, uh, global and enterprise uh, class app applications and be able to keep the the, uh, the gas fees down or have that not be prohibitive. And there's all sorts of like, well, there's layer two solutions like Polygon that are meant to address that. Um, you know, how is how is GSU handling that? And, uh, you know, doesn't is is if Bitcoin runs into any uh, need like bug fixes or need for uh, major upgrades? I'm not really sure how it would handle that. Now, now the simplicity of the machine is part of what's beautiful about it. Like, and 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 I get that the fact that Bitcoin is you know tr functioning as a, a trans a global transfer of value essentially. And it does this one thing. That's what it does. Um, other yeah. people can build things on it. But Ethereum um, has had to make some adjustments uh, with Ethereum 2.0 in order to, to try and stay relevant. Um, first of all, would you put Ethereum, does it belong in the same stratosphere with Bitcoin? And and will will Bitcoin run into Ethereum-like problems in terms of availability, if nothing else? Because obviously they've limited the supply. Uh, no, I don't think uh, Bitcoin will run into the same problem. I think you know big institutions will buy big trunks and they will send them, uh, sell them, you know, um, uh, through their systems uh, as as Fidelity as a large number of other financial institutions already started to do. Uh, I Bitcoin will not face the same problem uh, because it only makes transactions uh, of its native uh, block blockchain native coin. Uh, Ethereum uh, is a complete other case because you have all these plus 10,000 uh, tokens that is deployed and trying to operate on the same network. And I think you will see uh, a lot of development in that area. Um, we, we as a project uh, chose, uh, we made a deep market analysis and said, all right, where do we have the most uh, TVL, uh, the most protocols we can interact with, where do we have, you know, the best possibility to, to get into the market, into the segment that, you know, is the first segment we are uh, looking at. And it, it, you know, we spent a month uh, with the analysis and we ended up that for us, there would actually not be anywhere else to go than to Ethereum uh, to begin with, simply because there are not we need to integrate with the other protocols and we need to be able to uh, attract uh, the same users uh, that also use the other protocols. So, so that, that's definitely the place for us to start out. And then when you say the adoption starts saying, all right, let's use it for transaction, 
uh, you you will build a bridge and you basically will make it available on the other chains that makes uh, more efficient transactions. Sure. Uh, yeah. you know, Brad, what what makes Bitcoin is is it is it really future proofed? Like, uh, I mean, the supply does concern me only because let's say it continues on the, on the trajectory it is. It continues to be the number one um, crypto. Uh, it's it's gaining uh, adoption even among large institutions like the 32 million, 40 million, depending which metric you go by, 40 million customers for Fidelity overall. Um, isn't there a chance uh, of essentially the, the original limitation of supply that they envision not being big enough for the level of adoption that they've gotten? Uh, I think that's an advantage to it in, in a lot of ways. I mean, we're, we're dealing with mass inflation around the world. That's, why, that's one of the reasons why this is special, as, as was talked about earlier. So I, I don't believe that the limit in quantity is, is a... Uh, a challenge or a disadvantage. I think that's actually the advantage of it. And that's why you're seeing the breakdown and people using the Lightning Network and SATs and everything else to transfer that value in small transactions. That's the layer built on top of it. So when we're looking at Bitcoin being future-proof, I think you're seeing the future-proofing happening and it's been happening all along. Okay. Um, it's just a matter of being able to, again, this goes back to as long as it works and people can trust it, it will maintain the value as what, what it needs to be. But the minute you get distrust, this is why you see all of the people in my circles go, Bitcoin is different than cryptocurrency, right? Because it is, because we're seeing the advantage of being able to build on top of this layer, this base layer and have it work well. You know, I, I, don't, I don't feel like anybody's looking at it unless they don't understand it yet as something that isn't future-proof. But again, all money has to go through iterations. So 100 years from now, 200 years from now, you're asking me a question. Uh, I think it could look different. But I think at the end of the day, what we're looking at is a store of value that has scarcity, which is what we need in order to deal with some of the issues we're having with printing fiat money constantly around the world. So what's your recommendation to people who are kind of freaking out and panicking right now? Obviously, with this many uh, giant explosions uh, of, uh, of big projects are holding a lot of people's money, there's going to be a great deal of fear added, added to the overall ecosystem. What, 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 what's your advice, Brad? Stop watching mainstream news. <laughs> I mean, it's, I, I'm not even... You, Except you for Ben Zinger. But, but I'm, saying, I'm saying in general, I, I mean... People need to look at, this is history repeating itself, right? In a lot of ways. You have one bad actor, it causes this ripple effect. We've seen this before. This isn't the first time we've seen it, but yet we treat it like it's the first time we've seen it. I'm in Wisconsin, and every time it snows for the first time, it's like people forget how to drive. Why? They've been doing it every year, but they're not used to it. So part of this comes down to make sure your mindset is built for resiliency, because it's not just the cryptocurrency markets that are dealing with issues. It's the whole financial system right now. And how much of that can you control? You can control yourself, right? One of the things you can control, don't watch mass media. The other thing you can do is read about it, learn. People are, their wealth has grown in these types of ecosystems and these types of environments, period. So right. the more people invest in knowledge and learning why this happened and setting themselves up to capitalize on this downturn, the more likely they are to have success. But the mainstream media just produces mass fear and chaos. 
That's uh, all they do. Nobody's looking that, at why this happened or how it happened unless they're taking the time to invest in it. That, right. There is this, there is this uh, phrase going uh, all over the LinkedIn. Uh, uh, you need to keep your own keys mm-hmm. uh, to keep your crypto safe. And that's, it's, it's no more difficult than that. Yep. If, if you have the keys to your address, you're the one in charge. So you're expecting self-custodying to become, uh, you know, to get a boost out of this. Absolutely. The, 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 the ledger and treasure hardware wallet sales exploded over the last month. You can uh-huh. find a lot of news about it. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's obvious. Um, and, and you will find new trading systems where uh, I, I'm sure they will emerge and, and where you can actually, you know, exchange more efficiently without uh, the trusted third party in between. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us today. I mean, uh, we were going to wrap it up in the next few minutes. I, I just want to take a few minutes to uh, allow you guys to uh, – Say a little bit about what you're up to. Please let me remind everyone, usually I do it at the halfway mark, uh, Jose and uh, Mining with Brad, uh, GSU Coin, please, go, or GSU Protocol, go ahead and follow everyone uh, who's a speaker here to get more great updates and thoughts about the uh, the Web3 crypto blockchain industry. Um, you know, uh, why don't we, we're, uh, we're kind of wrapping it up now, so why don't we go ahead um, and uh, let, let me know. I know that GSU has an announcement that that's being uh, published like now-ish. Do you, do, is there a breaking news that you want to share with us? Uh, thank you. Yeah, it's uh, definitely, you know, we, we, we just uh, launched on uh, uh, Testnet. And uh, it means that everybody who wants to, to join uh, this process where we will be operating the system for, for some time uh, to, you know, uh, double check it uh, before we go into mainnet can join us uh, gsuprotocol.io and and the value proposition of the gsu is very simple the world's most stable unit we are the first crypto that beat any fiat in price stability it's documented by the university of copenhagen institute of mathematical science it's been operating uh-huh. the system for five years, first the first three in a closed environment. And then uh, for the last two years, we've been publishing the rates online. And I think when you uh, think about, okay, what, what's going on here? If we go back and think about when the internet came, we had some uh, operators from the old world, let's say the newspapers, they started using the new technology as a new channel. We had like, bookstores starting to sell books on the internet. So for them, it was a new channel to distribute what they already had. But also, out of the new technology, we had some new function coming. For instance, we had Expedia and hotels who totally disrupted uh, the travel agent uh, industry. We had Skype coming out of the internet that totally disrupted the telecom industry. And we had Facebook, you know, who created a new function of social networking that we didn't have in the old world. And when we look at it, where it is right now, we have now JP Morgan this month, we had SP, um, uh, DBS from, from Singapore, and we have uh, BBVA in, in, in Spain, you know, saying we are moving into DeFi. They start to use these systems. 
And at the same time, we also have new things coming out of the technology, like the GSU, that basically beats the functions in the old world. And that's what we do. I invite all of you to join us on Twitter, uh, GSU coin. Um, and yeah, uh, I'll, I'll love to bring it forward and work with all of you. That's what I have to say. Okay, great. Well, uh, can, can everybody hear me? Because can you hear me? J-Rod, you with us? Hello? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. Um, Well, thank you uh, so much for joining us today. Brad, I know that you uh, are doing – that you are essentially do education around Bitcoin mining. And I suppose people can go and follow you on Twitter to stay up to date on that, probably the URL to your site on there. Yeah. So we we are focused on building the ecosystem around the mining industry. Okay. What that means is we support – people new getting into mining. We support people trying to scale up their mining operation. We support educating and building best practices for facility owners and operators. That includes technical training, all of the above. Uh, And in fact, we just launched uh, the mining magazine, the first trade publication in the mining industry in terms of crypto and Bitcoin mining. So Uh uh, we're really focused on education and filling the talent gap and making and professionalizing the mining industry because it has been a ragtag crew uh, as probably most of you are aware of, but uh, it's been a battle of resilience since I've been doing this since about 2015, 2016. So uh, we're really trying okay. to upgrade the level of talent and education and information available for uh-huh. those people. You know, I, I know that there are areas that are like uh, post traditional energy industry uh, type areas, like Alberta comes to mind, Alberta, Canada that yep. have uh, tried to essentially put mining operations in place of uh, in the places where they, they were formerly refining oil, that sort of thing, which, which I think is uh, kind of a cool way to do it, like to try to uh, create another opportunity in an area that otherwise was a little bit low on opportunities with the, uh, with the uh, decrease in, in traditional energy. Yeah. So we, we really focus on what we call micro mineries being from Wisconsin. Microbreweries are a big thing. Uh, uh-huh. Micro mineries being the fact that you don't have to build mega facilities. Mega facilities are important, but we're really trying to diversify the industry by adding in different layers of sizes of facilities. We do that through a number of education, like the build a mine bootcamp, uh, coaching people through building those smaller facilities to have that small business feel. Therefore they're not out over their skis. You're not getting, these significant leverage issues that we're seeing with some of these mining companies, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So our goal is really to help people understand why this is not just a big business industry. This is a small business industry where people can make a difference, not only in their own pocket, but in their communities through education, through providing alternative sources of income and taxes, as well as adding on modules like they're doing with GeoBit mining or GeoGrow or some of those other companies that are adding those things to help with food production. So you're really leveraging, going back to what was stated earlier, these uh-huh. energy sources that weren't accessible or usable for the longest time because you were just pumping energy back into the ground where it wasn't being useful. So again, right. we're producing the energy. Why not use it, especially in a way that's going to generate a variety of different uh, value adds to the community that it's based in? Well, I thank thank you very much for joining us today, Brad. Uh, thank you, Jesper, uh, David from Intertrust. I believe probably had to drop off at the end of the hour, which I totally understand, but I believe I believe he's gone. But thank you, everyone, for coming and joining us today. Hey, please check out the uh, the fifty dollars the fifty percent off um, 
coupon from Cyber Monday to attend the Future of Crypto show, which is in New York City at Pier 60 on December 7th. Um, we'd love to have you. And then the award show is the next day on December 8th. And we have awesome speakers coming to that. Uh, there's going, Cosmos is going to be there. Algorand's going to be there. Uh, you know, we've got all sorts of, uh, actually someone from Board API Club is going to be there, which is very unusual. Gargabelle's going to be there. Um, yeah, so it's going to be a, a great uh, gathering of lots of different luminaries in the space. And we hope that you are all, are all able to join us. On Thursday, we're going to be uh, doing a show specifically about GameFi, so which is a, a topic near and dear to my heart. So please tune back in for that, guys. And thank you so much for joining us today. If anybody has any last questions, you're welcome to raise your hand now. We could try and uh, try and get them in, but otherwise, I'll pro- probably go ahead and wrap it up. Uh, please do follow, um, you know, the, the speakers from today. And thank you guys so much for your time. Thank you, thank Justin. You. All right, take yep. care, guys. Yeah, bye. Thanks, Thank J. Rod. I think I, th- I think J. Rod has connectivity issue, but he wishes you all well as well. And we'll talk to you guys soon. All right, peace, Singer Nation. Thank you. Okay. Try to get away from your keyboard at some point today and take care of yourself. Um, uh, and uh, we hope that we see you at noon ET on Thursday. Peace. <laughs>